טוב, אולי נעזבורתם בראש במדבר, ואיתכם יהיה איש איש למטה, איש ראש לבייס אבויס אבי, סודי קהילס מוישה, אצל מוישה לקושנצה, הבינג זה וורט מנחלס שמן. explains why why the Torah was given on our Sinai right we know that our Sinai was the Maramas of Anuva right the smallest the smallest mountain Maramas on Anuva Hashem didn't want the big mountains which are Maramas on Gava so he gave it on our Sinai so the question is asked why did he give it on a mountain at all he could have given it on a plain piece of land a flat piece of land or in a valley it's even more Anuva and the answer is because we believe in Hashem Hashem wants that we should know that you can't always be in Unav you can't always just be humble you have to know when to, when to be a man, when to be strong. And when it comes to serving Hashem, just like the Shekhanurach starts off, you shouldn't, be, you shouldn't be afraid of anyone. You should know how to be confident when it comes to serving Hashem. You shouldn't let anyone step on you and put you down when it comes to serving Hashem. And that's why, you know, we need a small mountain, a little one, but a mountain. A certain amount of strength that's needed to serve Hashem. So he touches the Pusik of Itcham Yi Ish. His Ish, the first Ish in the Pusik, is definitely talking about uh, a person. Abu Savadam, a human being, right? Yeah, simple person, yeah, not so big. ish ish. You should also have the second ish, which is Maramazan, the Starkite of Ish, Gviras Ish. Even though you're only Abu Savadam, you have and you have a lot of uh, you have a lot of reason to be humble, but at the same time you have to be ish, you have to be strong. And the reason is Lamata Ish, so that you could bend yourself, you could uh, bring yourself toward Ish, as Maram is the third ish in the Pusik is Hashem Ish Mahumo, toward Hashem. So even though you're somebody who should be humble, you have to know how to also be strong and confident to be able to get closer to, to Hashem. And aside from a big lesson, when it comes to big Hashem, some people are ashamed when it comes to serving Hashem. Some people don't have the confidence to do what's right, and they take too much into account what other people are going to say and think, obviously, which is wrong. Um, but even, even in a, on a simple level, it's, this is so common when it comes to relationships. On the one hand, you want to be nice to everyone. On the one hand, you want to be humble. On the one hand, you want to always make place for someone else. But on the other hand, it's not always good. Sometimes you have, sometimes you have to be strong. Sometimes you have to have healthy boundaries. And especially when, aside from the relationship aspect, it actually does you know, turn on to some Yiddishkeit aspect and other things, where if you're going to let someone else control your life, or you're going to be too humble, or make too much place for someone else to dictate what you do, then it's going to affect you both as a person, individually, and, and as a Yid, who's afraid to do things that are, that are right to do. So I'm going to read a question over here, and, and see if we can give some perspective on Ibish herself. Hi, I find your speeches very insightful and toyetic. I was wondering if you can help me with an issue I'm dealing with. My father-in-law and two of my sisters-in-law have a personality disorder. With my father-in-law, we have a decent relationship, meaning that when he is capable, we are good with him, and when he is not, we just wait for it to pass and set boundaries if need be. Like my husband telling him that he cannot speak to him if he badmouths me. My two sister-in-laws are a different story, though. They're constantly meddling into our life, trying to control us and finding other reasons to be upset with us. Like at the start of Corona, they decided that we were not following the guidelines, although we were. They don't speak to us most of the time, and it can take sometimes weeks to hear from a third party why they are currently upset at us. We are now in therapy to learn how to deal with this, but it will take a while until we actually learn how to implement everything we are learning there. Recently, my sister-in-law called my husband and started yelling at him that I should not be growing in other places, other areas, when the family is not getting along. Baruch Hashem, we are growing together, and I recently took a step that is visible to others. My husband just ended up excusing himself and getting lost. I'm learning not to let their comments get to me, but for some reason I was very shaken up, and it is extremely painful to watch my husband choose between his wife and his other family members, even when he ultimately chooses me. I must clarify that we have a beautiful marriage, and my husband is extremely devoted to me, but when he talks to his sisters, he's, he very often cannot stand up for himself. 
I'm not sure I'm being completely clear about the whole situation, but I hope you can offer some guidance with the information you do have. My question is, how far do you think we should have a relationship at all, and do you have any tips on dealing with them in general? Thank you. Okay, personality disorder. Uh, definitely a hot topic. Um, it's a hot topic, and it's also something that's very often misinterpreted, which, which I'll talk about. So the first thing that I want to say is that anyone who does have a personality disorder, whatever it means, but somebody who has a difficult personality, somebody who's not easy to get along with, somebody who has, who's very challenging, or whatever kind of, whatever kind of um, names or terms you want to give it, is a big Rahmanus. A very big Rahmanus. It's a, it's a pity to see somebody who, who's, whether it's narcissistic, or somebody who, who just can't get along with anyone else, or somebody who likes making machloikas and gaslighting and, and whatever other uh, things people like, do, like this do. It's a, it's a big rechmonis on such a person. It's, it's a big pity. A lot of times we see just people and we just get angry at them, think that they're bad, and, and you know, look what they're doing. They're wreaking havoc on people's relationships and, and making everyone miserable and talking down to people and making everyone feel bad. People who do that are a big pity. Very big pity. Now, I want to clarify. I'm saying, uh, when I say that someone like that is a pity, I don't mean to say that they're a victim. I don't mean to say that they're a pity and now you're at fault because you don't pity them enough. That's not what I mean. And I'll tell you why I'm, why I'm mentioning what I don't mean. Because recently I saw somebody in a relationship with such a person who was very difficult, very, very challenging, se- seemingly you know, very severe uh, personality disorder. And they went to a professional for help and the professional turns to the non-personality disorder, which happens often, and says... You know, don't you realize how much this person's suffering? You think this person's screaming at you for fun? You think this person is, is throwing tantrums and, and, and being verbally abusive and uh, whatever else just for no reason? This person's hurting. You're dealing with someone who's hurting. Why don't you understand that? And it turns into a whole Musa session about how you're hurting somebody who's hurting. So that person's a pity. So you must be wrong because you're hurting somebody who's, who's a pity. Now, I have a chapter, I think it's chapter 15 in my book, Get Along With Everyone, where I talk about uh, why therapists get it wrong. I almost left the chapter out of my book, but I didn't. And in the Yiddish book that's coming out soon, I actually added a lot more to the chapter to understand what, what, what's really happening sometimes with professionals, whether they choose to attack the one who's easier to attack, because they know that if you point a finger at the one who does have what we call personality disorder, they won't handle it, they probably won't come back again, so you just pick on the other one. And sometimes they actually do get convinced by a narrative that somebody who has a personality disorder um, re- relates, and then they, they tend to buy into the story because that person's very manipulative and very good at telling a story. So very often there's a lot of misinterpretation over there. So when I tell you that, that you should look at people who have personality disorder as, as a pity, I don't mean to say that you're wrong and you're hurting them and now they're a victim. I don't mean that. I just mean to say that it's a rachmunas. A lot of times you get, instead of getting upset at such people, you just, you just pity them. You know, Never. It's so sad to watch somebody who, who's always looking for a fight. Isn't, isn't that a rachmunas? When, when you feel bad for a person like that, that they don't, they don't have what it takes to have a normal relationship, a meaningful relationship, um, you know, a relationship that's, that's mutual, a relationship that's understanding, these people are a pity. So you're less resentful, you're less upset at such people. It just takes the edge off it. It's very important to understand that. And while I'm at it, you know, again, I, I don't usually I go on a rant. I'm not here to knock anyone. Uh, I'm sure a lot, of other, a lot of people out there, especially a lot of professionals, are definitely more professional than I am. But another mistake that I recently encountered, more than once, was a professional who was, um, you know, somebody came to, for other reasons, not, not for a problem. Whether it was actually a Hanukkah party, where we had somebody um, looking at handwritings, handwriting analysis, just for fun. 
Right? Let's let's see what everyone has in the handwritings. Give me yours. Give me your husband's. Give me your kids. Give me this. It was started off fun, and turned into a major problem because the the professional uh, um, um, the professional uh, graphologist decided to tell someone you have major problems in your marriage. And this is someone who thought that the marriage was bliss, and it was. And because this person is a professional, you can't ignore that. And this person decided that these handwritings tell me a horror story of people who need help and you better go for therapy and, and, and you think it's good and you're fooling yourself and somebody's taking advantage of you. To see that, it's, 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 it's mind-boggling how somebody could shake a stable and happy situation without, without realizing the repercussion of, of such advice. And I saw it even with other professionals. I saw somebody who was um, contacted for advice about, about a family member. And a couple was here to help a family member. And they went to a professional. And also, it started off with some handwriting stuff. And um, you know, I know you want to help your, your brother-in-law, let's say. But you guys need a lot of help. And that comment made a lot of damage on a relationship. So aside from a professional maybe not um, interpreting well a situation, but opening a new can of worms that wasn't even there, I, I can't understand why somebody would do this thing. And if you have a quick fix for somebody who's suffering and doesn't realize it, and you're going to bring awareness to the situation and help them right away, Myla. Again, you have to be careful before you do something like that and make someone aware of a problem that they didn't know of. Um, but at least you're offering a quick situation, uh, a quick um, um, suggestion that's going to help. But to tell someone you have major problems, you need a lot of help, you know what you're doing to someone's marriage. So these are just pointers that I'm, I'm just saying. I'm talking from experience. I'm not, I don't, I'm not here to, to promote anything or to knock anything. I'm just mentioning things that I hear people making mistakes. So back to the other idea about a professional telling someone who is dealing with somebody with personality disorder, totally irrational behavior, totally uh, unacceptable behavior, and I turn to the other one and saying, you know, you're the bad guy because you don't understand how much you're hurting that person. That person must be really hurting if they could, if they could be breaking windows. If they could be stamping their feet and not coming out of bed for a day, you must be doing something very bad. Well, who said? Maybe that person's stuck at crazy. And this is, somewhere, this is something I see, I, I, I said it in public lately when somebody asked me what I, what I think is the hardest part of helping people and I said, I think one of the hardest parts is, is interpreting correctly a situation. It's very hard to determine the difference between, um, uh, again, I'm just using these terms, I don't mean it, but between the crazy one and somebody who's dealing with a crazy one. Because if you have two people who, who run out of the house, it's hard to understand which one is running out because they're off the wall and not dealing with things rationally and they need help and, and you shouldn't be afraid when they run out, it's their own problem. And who's running out because they're dealing with somebody who's so crazy that it just got to them and they had to run out. Very often people uh, turn to the wrong one and start uh, calling the shots in the wrong way. So anyway, that's just a wonderful logical tangent over there. So when you're dealing with somebody who has personality disorder, you're definitely dealing with somebody who's a pity and not somebody you should be uh, resentful or, or upset at. Somebody who's probably not uh, you know, even in control of, the, of themselves and how they behave. That's, that's first of all. Another thing I do want to point out is the personality disorder, for whoever did read my book, and understands my take on it. Again, it's only my opinion, nothing more. Nobody has taken it so seriously. Don't get upset, don't get offended. Uh, but my opinion is that some people are wired hypersensitively, super emotionally, and their emotions take over in a way that they don't deal with relationships or with a lot of things in a logical way. So when somebody says something to them, they take it totally out of context. They, they react in, in the wrong way. When somebody is not even doing anything to them, they, they also take it wrong because they're feeling challenged or jealous, whatever it is. It's super emotional. And it's natural. It's natural. I can see this on a little baby who's super sensitive. And sensitivity, when dealt with the wrong way or not, uh, you know, kept in, 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 in balance, definitely brings to what looks like a personality disorder. Okay? Now, I know some people who are super sensitive 
and are dealing with things better than others. And the reason is because they're in a situation that they're feeling less challenged. For whatever reason, I'm not going to go into now. And I mostly mention this because somebody left me a message, um, a question to address, instead of waiting three months to address it. I'm just going to mention it now. Maybe I'll address it then again. Is that when, when you're dealing with somebody who's super, super sensitive, there's a way to deal with them. Instead of getting resentful and seeing, like, why is that person so sensitive? And sometimes when you see somebody sensitive, you wonder why they're so insensitive to other people. If they take every comment wrong, shouldn't they at least be as sensitive back? So again, I'm just referring to my book, not because I'm looking to promote it or make sales, but I wrote a book along with everyone that, that specifically addresses the idea of hypersensitive personalities, how it affects relationships, and what's the best way to go about that. And all this, I think, just helps us get to the idea that I, I, I've been quoting um, Dr. Tversky a few times. I'm just going to mention the line again. The one liner is that it's important to remember when the patient is on the other side of the table. So if you're dealing with somebody who has what looks like personality disorder, or is personality disorder, for whatever reason, um, just understanding, you know what, this person has an issue. This person is misinterpreting things. This person just doesn't have what it takes to see for what it is. This person is a great rachmonis. I pity this person. I'm not going to be angry at them. I, I feel bad for them. Just just disconnect and don't take it so per- Don't take personally when that person hurts you because this person is suffering. It definitely changes their perspective. I, I just want to and that it's very easy to misinterpret the whole idea. Lessons, there was, um, there was lately, somebody gave a lot of shirim about BPD. Okay? And people were up with it. Wow, he, he explained so well BPD and, and a lot of awareness by BPD. The problem is that when somebody who has BPD or is qualified, certified, licensed BPD, very often when they hear that class, they don't see, oh, wow, I must have BPD. They pick up on it in a totally opposite way and they come to the conclusion, based on what I'm hearing in the class, that the guy who I'm living with has BPD. You're living with a Ziskite, but it's being misinterpreted. So I don't see it helping so much when you give awareness about personality disorder because the person who has it won't come to the conclusion. Again, you're not talking about people that are processing things logically. You're talking about people who are experiencing things emotionally. So being emotional and sensitive doesn't let somebody like that say, oh, I have a personality disorder. It must be so hard to live with me. I must must change how I, I behave. No, it doesn't go like that. It must be, oh, that's what BPD is. I think that's you. And I've seen this being taken totally out of context. So what I'm saying is it's very hard to give awareness in a healthy way that's going to help people who actually have personality disorder. So if you're looking at it like you want people to change or get better and come up with any kind of explanation you can give them to help them see things the way it is, you can forget about that in most cases. I know some people don't like when you project it that way. And recently I saw a magazine that had some letters to the editor about why you're making it look so bad and there is healing and not healing. There's a lot of healing and I'm not saying anyone's bad. But the way to deal with somebody who has a personality disorder is to learn how to deal with them and not to try to heal them or to be upset at them. So that's just all a way of introduction. Now, the way to deal with people who are hypersensitive or have any kind of disorder, you want to give it a name, um, is two things. First of all, and this I'm going to say briefly because it's not our topic, but, but first of all, and I talk about it at length in my book actually, is to be extra, extra, extra nice to them. Okay? Somebody who is hypersensitive um, might be feeling challenged by you, by nothing. Your husband could be a wonderful person and they could still be feeling challenged by him for whatever reason, either because they're jealous of his marriage or because he doesn't give them enough attention because he's not so expressive or he doesn't realize what they need. But if you give a lot of attention and a lot of respect and a lot of uh, feeling for somebody who's very sensitive, it already eases the tension of a relationship. Sometimes you don't really, you're not hurting anyone, but you're not giving them the healthy attention that they so, they so depend on and automatically, you know, you just, you're a challenge to them. Now, along with giving a lot, a lot, a lot of attention to somebody who needs it, you want to you wanna, um, implement healthy boundaries, very healthy boundaries, strong boundaries. And you'll notice that even though they're taking a lot of advantage of you or hurting you or being mean to you, they're probably not doing it to everyone. 
And the reason is, some people are not doing it because they like those people very much, because those people are promoting their agenda or giving them attention, like I said. And sometimes it's because those people are very firm and they don't take that. Very often people are going to be hurting you because you're the one taking it. So when you're very firm and you put healthy boundaries and you show someone that you're really not afraid of them and you're not going to let them step on you, that also um, helps very much. Now, I'm just going to mention a few things about setting boundaries, especially the parts that I'm picking up on in the letter over here. One is when you were talking about your father-in-law, you mentioned that your husband says boundaries and says that he cannot speak to him if he badmouths me, his wife. Okay, that's, that's a very good line. Again, you have to be careful when it comes to Kibbutz Avayim. I'm just mentioning it. Make sure that whatever you're saying is said in a respectful way um, that, you, that you talk to parents. But I'm just mentioning in general, nothing to do with a, with a father-in-law. It could be with anyone. It could be with sisters-in-law. Um, when you tell someone, I can't talk to you when you badmouth my spouse, it's always important to add, I love talking to you. I want to talk to you. I appreciate talking to you. I appreciate hearing what you have to say. When you say this about my spouse, it makes it so hard for me and I can't. So it's not just about I can't and I'm not going to. You always want to promote the good attitude of I enjoy talking to you. It means so much to have a good relationship with you. It really does. It, you know, it, it would be so hard for me to not, etc. I'm just picking up on that one word where you always want to set the boundary along with you know, giving whatever kind of good attitude as well. It doesn't have to come in, in a mean way. And also doesn't have to come, this I'm just adding, because it doesn't sound like, like that's what your husband is doing, it sounds like a wonderful guy, but it doesn't have to come like, you know, you can't talk like that about my spouse, or that's not normal, nothing to do with you. I, I, can't, I can't handle it. When, when someone talks to me about my spouse, like that, it's my thing. Could be I'm just taking it too personally, could be I'm just too, uh, uh, whatever it is. For me, it doesn't work. It's not, not about you, you didn't do anything wrong. So that, together with I want to talk to you, very often could, could help such a message go across sooner. Also, when you're setting healthy boundaries, you have to be consistent. So not every third time somebody says something not nice about your spouse, you speak up. Every time, right away. When you show someone that it's not acceptable, and they, they know, they can predict when you're going to say what, is in general, when you're setting boundaries, you're very consistent with it, people take you more seriously. When you're not so consistent, and the first two times and third time, and all of a sudden when they said something really nasty, that's when you said something, then they see that, you know, you, they, you, they're not going to take you so seriously. Another thing that you were talking about was... Um, how to deal with it, or how to ignore it, or if you should ignore it when they don't talk to you for weeks and things like that. So, just to mention briefly, there's something about ignoring the upset part. When somebody's upset at you for nothing, you can ignore it. Don't ignore them. Waiting three weeks for somebody to call you, um, you know, because they're not calling you, there's no reason for that. It doesn't mean you have to call them and say, why are you upset at me? You could just call them and say, how are you? Or offer a favor. It's very important to realize that you don't have to take so seriously the parts that they're upset about you if it's baseless, and keep on buying into their narratives about how you just hurt them and you have to ask them forgiveness all over again. But you don't have to ignore them. Very, very many times people get like intimidated and they just stay away. And, and instead of reaching out and, and making the connection and just making sure that it doesn't uh, rift the, the drift too far apart, you know, sometimes you could, you could um, definitely take care of that as well. Another part of setting healthy boundaries is a very important point. People see it sometimes as boundaries means I'll tell you what I won't tolerate. What? I'm not going to tolerate when you do this to me. And what, what exactly are you going to do if I do it to you? I'm not going to tolerate it. Well, what does that mean? I can do whatever I want to you, right? Now, sometimes you, you will actually implement some kind of consequence when somebody does something to you, or sometimes you can't. Sometimes you can't. How many tell someone, I won't tolerate when you talk like that. Too bad, I'll say it anyway. But very much about healthy boundaries actually has to do with what you're going to do, what you're going to tolerate. In other words, personally. So if you tell someone that if you talk this way, I won't be able to pick up the phone on you, and I want to, that's the part where I'm not going to tolerate. You're not going to get me to pick up the phone because I don't have to. So if you tell someone that I'm not going to let myself be controlled by you, and you're only referring to the parts that actually affect you or the facts that you're in control of, the parts that you're in control of, that's called a healthy boundary. 
So a healthy boundary doesn't just mean, well, I told him he can't do it, but he does it anyway. No, tell him that he do, that he shouldn't, that you would appreciate it if he doesn't do it. And if he does, then you won't be able to do something. Or if somebody has a problem with something you're doing, and you just say, listen, I understand you, I feel very bad, but this is how I feel, I have to do it. And you keep on going on your merry way, that's a healthy boundary. You're showing that you're not being controlled. So a very important part of healthy boundaries is seeing where you're not being controlled by what someone else decides. Instead of, instead of trying to get someone else to do what you decide. So the reason why I'm mentioning this is because if people tell you, for example, you shouldn't be growing in, let's call it Yiddishkeit, or whatever it is that, that you were mentioning over there, in, in this area of the family is not getting along. Listen, I love you all dearly. I appreciate your opinions. You can keep on saying them in my inbox has place, but I'm going to grow wherever me and my husband and my roof or whoever I discuss it with decide that it's correct for me to do. Don't be so intimidated. Go on your way. Go on your merry way. Healthy boundary doesn't just mean telling someone what they can't do. It means that you do what you want to do because you're in control of yourself. That's a very important point. So aside from the Vayig Baldiba Bedarka Hashem part, which we mentioned earlier when it comes to serving Hashem, why are you being so afraid of what other people think? But even just in the relationship part, if me and my husband decide that we do want to grow in a certain area, or we want to go on a certain vacation, or we want to do whatever it is, and you feel it's wrong because the family's not getting along, well, we could discuss the family getting along, and I'd be happy to get along with you, and this is what me and my husband decided to do. And when you're very clear about that, and people see that you're not intimidated, you do your own thing, they'll try less and less to control you. Mitzvah Let me go to the third point, and that's your marriage. Okay? You and your husband are on the same page, and, and it looks like you're feeling a little bad about it, like he has to choose you over them. So, one thing at a time. First of all, support each other. When dealing with difficult family members, it's not easy. And many people go through this struggle very often. Whether it's my siblings, her siblings, the parents, the in-laws, whoever it may be, it's a challenge. But when husband and wife are together in it, that's the best thing you can do for yourselves, for your family, for anyone. Okay? And sometimes people choose their family members over their spouse, and, and it's, it's a problem. It's a problem. It's not the way it should be. Now, I know sometimes you don't have a choice. Sometimes your spouse is being too unreasonable. Sometimes you have to do it. Sometimes you have to show your spouse that they're not going to control your relationship with your family members, which is, which is fine. I'm saying that in general, husband and wife, couple, that's together in this, is the best that could be. So when you support each other, and you talk to each other about it, not in a bad way where you're knocking other people or, or building resentment and, and fighting, but just understanding each other and giving each other the support and the chizr that you need, that's how it should be. Don't feel bad about it. You should, be, you should be super thankful to your spouse. You should tell your husband, thank you all the time for understanding me. Thank, I know it's hard for you to um, have to talk to your, to your father like this. Uh, you're about your father-in-law who has personality, so I know it's hard for you. I appreciate that you do it for me. I appreciate that you stick up for me. I know it's not easy for you to not have uh, a good communication with your siblings and you're sticking up for me instead. I appreciate that. Be thankful. Don't take it for granted. And don't take anything for granted. When people write to me that the marriage is great, I always tell them, when people tell it to me in my office, don't take it for granted. Be thankful, but don't feel bad about it. Support each other. Give your husband the support he needs. Take from him the support that you need. Be thankful about it. And that's how it should be. There's nothing like a healthy marriage. And very often, I mentioned it earlier, I'll say it specifically, that very often that's what people are jealous of. I've seen this many times. Some people, especially those with difficult personalities, who don't have such great relationships at home, are very often very jealous of those that do. So sometimes there's not even much you can do about it. Some people will always be jealous of you. You and your husband have a great marriage, close bond, understand each other, you're there for each other. Very often that's what uh, could, could make people go crazy. So if you see people that are either jealous of you or not treating you nicely, you can put healthy boundaries. You can give them a lot of attention. You can feel bad for them. You can understand what's really going on. You can realize it's their problem, not yours. But you and your husband, when you're on the same page in a healthy marriage, living together the way it should be, understanding each other, supporting each other, is the best thing that could be. And even if you'll never take care of their other relationships, but just being on the same page together, that's the most important thing for you, for your children, to make sure that you're living happily, living closely, living with a, with a true understanding and connection. Bahava Ahva Shulam Varayas.